glad to see you. I know that sometimes we get out, we go to Walmart office, we go to the grocery store, wherever you go, and, and you don't recognize somebody because of the mask. But uh, I, I'm pretty sure that who is here, I, I'm pretty sure that I know them. And uh, feel free to wear a mask or, or, of course, practice social distancing and all that good stuff. This morning, I really believe that there, this is a message that will change your life if you let it. As, as the Word of God does on every occasion, it's not just this morning, but I'm going to go pretty fast. So I want to encourage you to get out a pen and paper if you have it. Uh, if you're new school, you might want to get out your iPod, iPad. Is that me? Whatever it takes, we're here. How is it some way that after all these weeks, <laughs> it's still cracking, but that's the fun of coming to church. All right. So this morning, I want to open in prayer, and here's what we've been talking about. Recognition brings revelation. And without revelation, there is no redemption. Now, I know those are sometimes big words, and sometimes you go, whoa, how's that going to be interesting? If you'll just stick with me, and let me tell you, sometimes if you're like me, I get distracted and I get thinking of other things. You might want to, you know, just, just keep up. Just, just, and if you just run a little bit faster mentally, and, and we're going to get this today. We're going to continue the series, Recognition Brings Revelation. And this is our target is hearing, but not just hearing, hearing and action when His Holy Spirit speaks to us. And as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have that ability. So would you join with me in prayer this morning? Thank you so much, God, for your protection in our life. Father, for the things that you have generously given us. God, not just salvation, but the ability to have an abundant life here. We don't wait after getting saved until eternity begins. It begins the day that we give our life to you. And Father, we pray that this morning that we will allow, God, allow us to open up our hearts to hear your Holy Spirit speak to us, to, to listen behind the message and customize it. Your Holy Spirit, customize it for us personally where we are. In your name we pray, amen. Last week we talked on the subject of, do you know who I am? And what that was talking about is God speaking to us. Because without recognition or recognizing who he is, we will never have revelation of all the things that he can do in our life. It is not, let me say it this way, all of what we believe in as Christians are not based on the fact that Jesus was a man that came to earth and died on a cross. Everything is based on the recognition that he was the son of God who came to earth and died on the cross for our sins. It's in the recognition that we get revelation. This morning, the title of my message is, Who Are You Listening To? Now think about that. Because who you are listening to, will whatever gets our attention determines our direction. And whatever our direction is will determine our destiny. Good intentions don't get you to your destiny. It is the direction that you're taking. So let me say this. A lot of times somebody can tell you something, speak into your life, and just prime you, it's called. Prime you. So that you're aware of things and you don't even realize sometimes that your direction is turned. It is a, a 
social, 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 say it. What do you think I said? Yeah, that's what I said. Truth that when somebody speaks into your life, when things are planted in your life, it will change your direction until you become aware of it. And sometimes you're never aware of it. Uh, they, they've done studies where, where people have sat in a study group and they didn't even know really what the study was. They thought it was something else, but really the study was that they would unjumble a word sentence. In all of these 10 sentences, they had to unjumble, and when they're done, they go up and hand it in to a clerk. The, the study was this that each one of these sentences had things in it like Bob, nice, ran, to the counter. So so they jumbled it as Bob was nice and ran to the counter. And then the next one was he was friendly and, and all these different things that had good words in it, positive word, friendly and smiled and all this. And they would jumble them and they thought how fast they unjumbled the words was the study, but really it was a priming study that when they got done with the 10 words, they were supposed to take that little page up, unjumbled, to the clerk. But the real study was that the person at the clerk was right at the time when the person came to hand in their paper, someone stood in front of them and interrupted and just began to talk. And the the study was how long would the person wait there with all the tests finished before going, hi, I'm done, I need to turn in my paper. It was all the study. And what they found out is it was done in New York. And the people doing the study said, in New York, this will probably be about 30 seconds before they interrupt. Just because of the culture of New York being fast. But after these people unjumbled all these sentences with nice, friendly, smiled, you know, happy, you know, that they would come up and <laughs> the limit was five minutes. And the majority of everybody that took the test waited five minutes patiently right there until they were done talking to this interrupter. I don't know if you got that or not, but the thing is that words spoken, when they go into our mind, they put us in a place. And the world we live in at the second is a very negative, scary, uh, phobic world. So I want you to be aware of that. Words are things. If this morning I said, cowboy, there would be a picture of some cowboy coming into your mind. But if I said cowboy with a white hat on, you'd have a picture. And it would come to your mind immediately. Well, this morning, I want you to see this because when I say, who are you listening to? The second part of the title is, don't let the enemy ring your bell. You'll understand that in a minute. Last week, we talked about in John chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, highlight it, write a star. If you don't, put this down because some of you that have done things in your life that never have gotten recognition and it kind of puts you in a bad thinking, this is what happened to our God. In John chapter 1, verse 10, it says, He entered into the very world He created. Here comes the Creator in the world, yet the world wasn't aware. He came to the very people He created and to those who should have recognized Him. But they did not receive Him. Now it talks about hopefully you and I that are here today. But those who embraced him and took hold of his name were given authority to become, to become, to become the children of God. That we have been given the authority to be able to hear the Holy Spirit speak into our life and determine our direction no matter what are the other voices that are in our life. I would say that 
what I've found out in my life, and you probably could come up and you could uh, argue with me on this, or you could tell me, maybe there's another voice, but really the three voices that we have to be careful about is our own voice, I think we have it right here. Let's see if that works. The three voices, our voice, the enemy's voice, and the voice of the Holy Spirit directing and guiding us. And the question is, whose voice are you listening to? Let me say it this way. When we realize that he adopted us into his family, he chose. that was not my fault, I don't think. All right, another mic. How about the yellow? You might have to turn the microphone cable for all the wonderful... When we realize that he came into our life and adopted us into his family, it's our choice to come up with a recognition of who he is, and therefore the revelation is, are we going to choose him? So this morning, I'm going to tell you the passage of scripture is based on two storms. A friend of mine said, John, just realize that all through life, it's not that it's bad, but usually we're going into a storm, we're in a storm, or we're coming out of a storm. It's part of life. And sometimes we get more frustrated than anything else saying, you know what, I feel like I'm always in. What do you do when you're in the storm? This morning, when I talk about it, it is when the devil rings our bell, when we hear the voice of the enemy speaking in our life, usually at that moment, there's a transition of the fork in the road. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do with it? The two storms I want you to look at is the first one is mentioned in Matthew chapter 8. The second one is going to be mentioned in Matthew 14. So just for your understanding, this is John Miller. This is conjecture. I think this storm happened before the second storm. This just me. I don't know if anybody has done any studies on if that, that, but I believe that this storm would have taken place first. The story, just to kind of set it up, is that people are following Jesus, and Jesus has asked them to follow him. And someone says, you know, I, I've got to go bury uh, my father that's dead. And Jesus says the words, let the dead bury the dead, and you follow me. Right after he says that, it says in verse 23 of chapter 8, Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Amen. For disciples that are following God... And they get into the boat with him. They followed him into the boat. That, that is so important for us to realize. They followed him into the boat. Just, just quickly, are you a follower of Jesus? They followed him into the boat. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? 
Now, again, a circumstance they get into is because they're following Jesus. They are not following the devil, Satan, Lucifer, you know, whatever. They're, they're following Jesus, and they get in the boat, and in this boat, there's a storm that comes up on the water. I want to make sure that that is clear, that they're following, that they're doing it. They're, they're doing what is asked of them. But the circumstance comes and they have to recognize where they're at and what the button, or here's the sermon, what bell is being rung and causing them to have a reaction. Now again, a lot of times we're in the middle of the storm and the, the waves are battering the, the boat. Do we then have the recognition that the comfort that could be ours, we forfeit because we don't recognize that we're right where we need to be. Understand that when we're following Christ, there's some people that believe, you know, He promised us a rose garden. No. But at the same time, we realize that when we're with Jesus, it's better in the storm than without Him. Can anybody relate to that beside me? Years ago, there was a guy named Ivan Pavlo. And Ivan Pavlo, the Pavlo theory is that this guy, it's pretty crazy, that, that he did this study of ringing a bell and the dog would salivate because he would feed him. The, the bell would be rung, the dog would look up probably, and he would salivate because they were feeding him. Nice graphic, huh? No expense is left. Thank you, Luke. So the, the, the story goes, the study was that he would ring the bell, feed the dog, salivate. It was a, again, the, the thing is a conditional reflex. So eventually they would ring the bell, but not feed the dog, but he would still salivate. Gwen has been mean to me in the past. She has said, dinner time, I salivate, and it's not ready yet. Let me tell you, you might think I'm going a little bit faster. I'm a little bit freer this morning because Gwen's in the nurse or in the children's church. Ooh, sookie, sookie. Conditional reflex is an, a, a newer way of saying what was invented or the theory that came up through even Aristotle that was the law of congruity. And it states, when two things commonly occur together, the appearance of one will bring the other to mind. This happens all through your lives, consciously and subconsciously. Today we're using it when the devil, the enemy, bing, rings a bell, there's things that go off in your mind. You've already settled in your mind what you have thought months, years ago. This is the outcome of what's going to happen. The reason why I'm saying this and you're saying, oh my goodness, he's talking to me. I'm talking to John Miller. I preached this message so many times and I'm going, come on, John, as I begin reading this and studying what I've even written down. I, I, I have this going on in my life and, and sometimes I've got to go, hey, wake up, John. It's okay. Like when I, I have a, I have, I'll just be honest with you and I've shared this before, so it's not anything, so to speak, new, but every time that I pull something behind my truck, it makes me so uneasy because early on in my life, before I 
really knew how to pull anything. I, I tried to pull something. I, I had a John boat, which is just one of those little metal boats and um, trailer. And, but I had a truck and the, the ball on the hitch was smaller than the hitch on the trailer. So in other words, it could do a little bit of this number. But, but my friend that wanted to go fishing said, it's okay, I've got some chains. Not tow chains, but snow tire chains. It would be like taking shoestrings and tying around for, for safety. So we're going down the highway about 70 miles, you know, maybe. And we're going down the highway, and, and we kind of go over a little transition in the, the highway. And my friend says, I think that's our boat, Stanley, as it's passing us. <laughs> all the John Wayne in you. All the manhood. Because <laughs> you know it could kill someone. This isn't funny. This is desperate. Thank you, God, that it just went into the median plowed up the median a little bit. We pulled over. Almost lost my cool there. But anyway, we hooked it back up and on. But from now on, I mean, from the, I have to, I got the best trailer with the best hitch, with the best chains, everything. But still, any kind of bump, that conditional reflex brings me back to that moment. Can, can you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you right now in your life? Is something coming to your mind that is a conditional reflex in your life? Don't let the enemy ring your bell. Because when the enemy rings your bell, it takes you back to that time period and all of a sudden you know the you think you know the outcome. Okay, Matthew chapter 14, we're going to talk about the second storm. It's a stormy sermon, I tell you what. This sermon is if it has a little title in your Bible, is usually referred to as Jesus walking on the water. So everybody goes, oh, okay, okay, you don't even have to read it. I already know that. Okay, we're going to bring out some observations to break maybe some of those conditional reflexes in your past. Now, what has just happened is the feeding of the 5,000. And the Bible says that Jesus knows that all these people that have eaten the fish and chips day, you know, the promotional day, and they're like, he's great, that they're going to come and by force try to make him king. So Jesus says, you know, I'm not going to do that. And it says this in verse, look, look at verse uh, 22. It says, he, he says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. I don't want you to forget this. He made them get in the boat. You get in the boat. And go on ahead of him to the other side. When he dismissed the crowd, now again, he says, you're going to go to the other side. Again, we can make so many observations and what's going off in your mind because you've heard a previous sermon or something. I want you to all understand that Jesus puts them in the boat and has a purpose. Go to the other side. He doesn't say, just float around out there in the middle a little bit and then maybe find somewhere to dock. No, we're going to go to the other side. When he dismissed the crowd... He put them in the boat, sent them to the other side. After he had dismissed them, he went up into the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. 
and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. Some translations say three to four miles. Now, that's, that's far enough that you're not going to swim back to shore, especially in the middle of a storm. So even these professional fishermen that have been on the water, this is a dire situation. It says that it is, the boat is buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, what, what time of night? It's shortly before dawn. So chances are it's dark. Anybody ever been scared more at night than in the daytime when you can see what's happening? Okay, the, the, it's shortly before dawn. It's dark. Jesus went out to them walking on the water, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw what they do, they, they have action. They saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. So apparently they did not, what? Recognize who he was. Because if they saw Jesus, they wouldn't be terrified and the following wouldn't happen. Here's what happened. It says, It's a ghost! They said and cried out in fear. It's a ghost. Not he is a ghost. Hey Jesus, are you a ghost? No. But what they see, they don't recognize. Therefore, again, what they don't recognize puts them in an area of fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Now, some of us that are jokers might take a while, but Jesus immediately said, It is I. Take courage. Don't be afraid. Now, now think about this for me and, and follow me on this train of thought. The enemy in their life rings the bell. Bing! They're, they're in the right place at the right time. How do we know that? Because Jesus put them in the boat and said, you're going to the other side. It's up to them to get the recognition, therefore the revelation that's going to bring peace in their life. But what happens is the enemy rings the bell. What's the bell? The fear of the unknown. Most of us, when we get to the point of the fear factor coming in our life, we do, everybody knows, either fight or flight. Um, flight is pretty easy to see because you're usually just the back of your feet running as fast as you can. But if you're in the boat, it's crying, wailing, screaming, pulling your hair. But the fight part of it is something different. For all of us. Sometimes that can even be exhibited in our being mean, showing anger, pouting, moodiness, all those things that go with part of the fight. And now we never would think that that's part of the fight. And if you're a strong personality, like the guy up here with his hand up, you have a tendency to go, well, when I'm angry, that, that's not because I'm scared. But the first time somebody taught me on that, it brought me to a revelation that I'm trying to fix the situation as quick as I can, and I'm mad because I can't. Maybe this morning you're in that place. And sometimes a common response to the fight, because as Christians we're taught, you've got to fight the good fight. And sometimes we get it all mixed up with getting out of the fruit of the Spirit. 
Rhonda McCarty, I always laugh because, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And she was our youth minister for a while, and somebody would get mad. She goes, I'm not for sure. What, what fruit of the Spirit is that? What characteristic is that? But sometimes the common response to the, the fight is, I'm going to die, especially if you can't get out. And a lot of times when a person is in an unknown and the fear factor comes, this, this, they want to change something. And, and they're saying, I'm going to die. So, so here's the crazy cycle that happens, and, and it happens in my life, and I've got to break out of it. And that's where the whole thought of you know, the Christian world, get a breakthrough. Because you're in a crazy cycle, and every time that that conditional reflex happens, bing, you're doing something. And it turns you from getting a breakthrough to another destination. I hope this is making sense to you. And some of the common things are, I quit. I quit my job, I quit my marriage, I quit my, my, my relationship with you, I quit, I quit. Here's another one. Everyone's wrong. I, I'm tired of this. And then we see run or flight. Run or fight. Run or fight. So th- this morning, I- I'm going to show you something that I, what I think could have happened in the rest of this story of the storm. And it's Peter's response. Now again, Stick with me. In in verse 25, it says, Lord, if it's you, he's working on it. Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. If he he doesn't know that Jesus, he doesn't even have that coming out of his mouth. You, You know that as well as me. If that's Casper out there on the water, you're not saying, Jesus, tell Jesus, yeah, come on in. He says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, let me, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, what? Come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Now, now watch this. He is somebody that has been in storm number one, and Jesus is sleeping. And he's probably, this is my just conjecture. It's my sermon. I'll preach it like I want it. He's been through the storm. He saw Jesus sleeping and has time to process it. Goes, now how could he do that? I, I want to sleep during a storm. Now Peter will go through his life and he will constantly mess up just like you and I. But at this point, I see Peter had processed the first storm and got to the point of possibly thinking, I'm going to do something this time. Because I would have loved to have been the one sleeping in the bow of the ship on the first storm. So he says, if it's you, let me come. So watch this. It says that Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on water. End of story. Everybody celebrates. You put a monument up to Peter. (laughs) You put a monument up to Peter of how amazing it was that he heard Jesus say it and he did it. But do we ever get recognition? Do we ever give him a reward? Do we ever say, wow, what a guy. And the reason is, is because in processing, see, the the enemy is ringing the bell in Peter's life. But he's going, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to respond to fear, doubt, unbelief. I'm going to get out and walk on the water. 
until again something happens. Again, it says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Now, I want you to hear this is because in the middle of processing, going, God, I want to get out. I want to sleep in the storm. I want to do something. Again, some of us will mess up and sink. and I'm never going to do it again. Been there, tried that, done that. And I'm telling you, I I don't care if you're 100 years old or if you've been in the church 100 years. We are constantly transforming our mind, renewing our mind. Don't give up. Don't don't say, uh, I've been there, done that, that don't work. As soon as you do that, the enemy goes, <laughs> think you're bing, bing, and you're just a robot. You're following around in this crazy cycle over and over. Now, this is true in our relationships with our wives. Can I go a little bit further? When you're under when your when your wife says, is it? You're killing me. <laughs> Off. When your wife says, and, and the, the enemy rings the bell, when your wife says, is that your underwear on the floor? Anybody? Yes, I'm so sorry, honey. It better be, or I've got a question to ask of my own. <laughs> Come on. What is the response? What is it going to take for the enemy just to get you in that crazy stuff? Bing! And all of a sudden you're... We got phones and underwear jokes. It's just part of the privilege of coming to church. Again, it says... That when he gets in, he begins to, Jesus reaches out to save him, pulls him up, and he says, what? You have little faith. He said, why do you doubt? And when they, climb, when, he, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped, worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. As soon as that experience happened, there was recognition that brought him to Revelation. What I'm asking you today is, do you have to have Jesus save you or the Holy Spirit speak into your life and save you because you refuse to break out of that conditional reflex of what has happened in your past? Again, the devil wants us to run in fear, uncertainty, and the feelings that things aren't going to be good. Again, The Holy Spirit calls us to volunteer to fight the giants, to chase the lions, but also, listen, to be humble when it's the hardest thing to do that you can imagine. To walk in love when it doesn't feel good to walk in love. Can I take this another step for all of our mature people here today? Satan's goal would be nothing short of just wanting you Never to sin. Stick with me. Because that's important that we don't sin. 
but when you realize that goodness is not the absence of badness. There, there are things that we do and we regret them. They're called action regrets. But there's things of inaction that we also regret. They've done studies on the things that we've done that we've sinned and we go, you know, why did I do that? But in the subject, in the context that we're talking about this morning, here's what I want you to understand. That a lot of times when you're talking about the crazy cycle and the Holy Spirit goes, whoa, 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 don't, no, don't say that, don't run, don't fight, don't do that. I put you in the boat and said, we're going to the other side. Can you, can you please just peace be on you? The enemy would like us not to do that. In other words, all he wants us to do is inaction. Well, at least I didn't get out of the boat and sink. No, I did not fight Goliath, but I didn't get hurt either. All the things of inaction in our life, they have studied over and over and over. And in the church will a lot of times focus, and it might be to mine or the, the universal church's problem, that we focus on the sin of commission. That's the sin of doing things wrong. But this morning I want you to see the sin of omission, the things that you do not do, that the Holy Spirit is guiding us and leading us to do. See, because we follow Jesus, but other people are watching us to we in order for us to lead them as believers, to follow us as, as godly examples. And a lot of times the believer will say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to sin, but I'm not going to be the person that breaks out of the crazy cycle. I'm not going to be the person that gets out of the boat and walks on the water and trusts God. I'm going to play it safe. They have studied, and, and I just want to touch on this, but they have studied that the, the, uh, the regrets of action versus the regrets of inaction. And over the course of their, a person's life, the greatest disgust, bad taste in a person's mouth all those bad is the sin of omission. The things that they knew they could do, but they did not do. They did not trust God that he would show them favor in a situation. They did not trust God to get out of the boat and walk on water and see God do amazing things in their life. They didn't trust God to not just put up with the problem. See, a lot of times... In our relationships with one another, let's just talk about our wives and our husbands and our boyfriends and girlfriends, whatever relationship you're in, brother, sister. That a lot of times we do not bring a solution to say, you know what? I'm going to hear the Holy Spirit bring resolve to this and walk in love. What we do is we just disagree with you and we don't like you. And we think that that's better than even leaving the situation, leaving the relationship. We'll just stay in the relationship, but we'll just continually butt heads and say, you're no good. And even if we don't say that strong language, we just, Ugh. and every time the enemy goes, ding, grrr, 
how do we not allow the enemy to ring the bell in our life and do the things we know that we shouldn't be doing? How do we break out of that crazy cycle? Listen, this is how you do it. Listen to the Holy Spirit speaking in your life. Out of those three voices, I think that most of the time, it seems like he is the quietest and the faintest. And a lot of times we argue with his voice more than the other two voices. See, and and when you read a passage of scripture, like Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. What is the pattern of the world? Listening for that bell to ring to get into it again. The crazy cycle. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you know, it's not renewed mind. It's not one time. It's a renewing. It's a renewing. It's a renewing. It's not what you have heard. It's what you're hearing and hearing that brings faith. By the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, is pleasing and perfect will. Who are you listening to? Now, let me tell you, the, the times that I've got this right, and, and I'm getting better. Why? Because th- there's times that I, I'm out of the boat. See you later. And I've sunk. And I said, God, I thought I heard you. Anybody been there beside me? Huh? Come on. I'm not a pure man of faith, and I'll tell you what, if you want to follow me. I, I've made my bloop, 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 bloop down in the water. But I've gotten to a point where at my age, and, and I haven't got in early, I might make mistakes, but I'm tired of the crazy cycle in my life, and I'm tired of the enemy just playing that game. Oh, sucky, sucky, you think you're going somewhere. Bing! It's on. And it's not always that I'm mean, I'm ready to fight. Sometimes <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. But it's in trusting in God as the mind is being renewed by we're reading the Word of God, where we're staying in the Word of God, when we're faithful to the Word of God, when we're faithful to the Word of God. You know, sometimes you come to a house of worship and you get into a time of praise and worship. That's what we do. That's what it's called, praise and worship. Do you know why we call it praise and worship? Because we're praise and worshiping God. Somebody goes, well, that makes sense. Recognition brings revelation. You might say, I know that he's the king of kings and the Lord. But sometimes when you're singing it, all of a sudden, anybody, the light go on and you go, king of kings. You mean King Henry of England, King Louis of France and all. He's the king of. Wow. An offering that I bring to you today. You know, you. well, I guess. Wow. And see, a lot of people will stop and not even recognize it's not about your voice. It's not if you can raise your hands. It's it's in raising our hands, we're telling John Miller ourselves, I surrender. And all of a sudden, God, I, I do surrender to you. It's in recognizing that brings the revelation that, God, I'm submitting to you in worship. I'm saying out of my mouth. Got to believe in you. I trust in you. You might be saying, well, my wife, 
and I just had a fight, you know what happened? When you thought that, the enemy goes, ding! What are you going to do with that? You going to put down your hands? You going to sit down during worship? Now, as we get into this series, and I'm, I'm concluding right now for all of you that pay attention real quick. When we get to a place that there is a demand put upon our action, we have two ways of going. I don't believe that. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to begin speaking and begin to listen and begin to say, God, I believe that I hear you in this area of my life. Understand that God has given you the authority. Your sons and daughters of God, the Holy Spirit lives within you. God lives within you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We've been talking about 1 Corinthians 2 probably for three months. So if you haven't read that, read it slow. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish. Pastor, do you hear someone speaking to you? That's what they would say. And cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. They are discerned is a big way of saying they're recognized only through the Spirit. Again, recognition brings revelation. Here's what I'm going to ask you. Don't let the enemy continue to ring your bell. But you say, you know what? The conditional reflex that has been there is broken in Jesus' name. I love you. Let's pray. Father, today that, Father, as this message went forth, I I know that, God, it's changed my life. It has brought revelation in my life again. And Father, a lot of the things that I I spoke that you have given me this week to, to be able to communicate to the people that I love, Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would customize it and tailor it and speak into their life, first of all, the encouragement that I intended. And I know that the Holy Spirit has a way of encouragement. But Father, I pray that those that have, God, come to a point where they feel like they can hear you. That again, the, the revelation of knowing that you're speaking, that maybe, God, that they would open up again. And begin to listen and hear your voice. That they would say no to the enemy. No to him trying to get us in the crazy cycle. Fear, doubt, unbelief. Fight or flight. But God, that we can have peace even in the middle of the storm to do what you've asked us to do. Father, I love you. In your name we pray. Amen.